Igawau acknowledges the traditional owners of the land upon which we record, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Good evening, everybody. I'm Good Brother. And I'm Will Selkie. And welcome to Ego Hour, the show where we deliver objectively true film reviews. Start the timer for me, Tom. Anything said over the next 60 minutes will stand up in a court of law and any argument you find yourself in with a film school student. These reviews are non-negotiable, non-refundable and nondescript. So let's talk about Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Can I do that line with you? I've always wanted to, and this isn't a bit like I had to Okay, ready? To. Three, two, one. Let's talk about... Please talk about the Portrait of a Lady. All right. Three, Three two, two, one. Let's... Portrait of... I, I meant... I meant the catch lo- the catch line because I think that's what the viewers are going to want to hear. You know, these reviews are non-negotiable, and then I want to say non-refundable. You want to alternate? All right, let's go. Okay, from the start. Good evening, everybody. I'm Good Brother, and I'm Little Silky, and welcome to Ego Hour, the show where we deliver objectively true film reviews. Start the timer for me, Tom. Anything said over the next 60 minutes will stand up in a court of law, and any argument you find yourself in with a film school student. These film, <laughs> these reviews. Sorry, choking up. These reviews are non-negotiable, non-refundable, and non-descript. So let's talk about portrait of a lady on fire. Directed by Celine Siama and released in 2019. Portrait of a Lady on Fire was the winner of the Palme d'Or at the 2019 Cannes Film Festival. The film follows the budding romance between painter Marianne and her model, Heloise. The film clocks in with a runtime of 120 minutes. It was made on a $4.86 million... Uh, it was made on a 4.86 euro million... million euro budget. <laughs> <laughs> It was made on a 4.86 million euro budget and it earned $23 million at the box office. Before we get stuck into it, as always, we're going to check in with how we're going. Hey girl, I know it's been a while, but I see you did ask yourself. I feel it. Tom, we've had a very quick turnaround on the pod. It's been three days since our last one. Yeah. How are you? What's changed? How are you doing? Well, I didn't have much time to recover from the uh, emotionally taxing discussion surrounding Relic. It was um, brutal. It was. Uh, a lot of eggs. <laughs> a lot of sucking of a lot of eggs. <laughs> I've got to say, I, this is uh, one of the more tense pods because I feel like this is a film where you should have had the proper time to do the research on but alas we haven't so we're going to do our best we'll see what happens um busy weekend we have a uni assignment that i left too late uh early mornings late nights sort of thing but i'm happy with how it turned out so i'm good how are you good brother 
Good to hear. I am good. I didn't sleep very well last night after watching this film. No, just generally. And I did have a nap and slept through one of my chutes, which is not ideal, but you live and you learn. Nice. Love it. All right. Bye. Let's get, let's get to it. So, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. What's the context? What's your background with this film, Tom? So, I've been a film school student. You know, thought I'd get out there. We're early. getting stuck into it straight away. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Um, being a film school student, this had started to make a few waves in my circles. Um, not particularly recently or anything. Making waves in my circles is also one of your catchphrases. Okay, making waves. Making waves in my circles, as in I'd heard people talk about it. Um, I don't really know. Like, I don't have specific reasons. I don't know. Any, I don't think anyone came up to me and talked about it. But I remember one of the last things I watched at university on site before the world lockdown was a video, an interview with director Celine Shyama as she described her writing method for this film. So apparently uh, the portrait of a lady on fire, um, the image of that came to her before the story did. And so she wrote the story around... Oh, that's it. The other thing. I heard her on a podcast. Um, she was on... Was it this the, podcast? <laughs> uh, the Film Hour, I think it's... I probably should You say. don't need to look it up. We can find it later. Every other um, podcast is just peripheral, you know, so you can't exactly. blame me. <laughs> um, it's called The Big Picture. The other film podcast. Yes, the other it's, called, it's called... <laughs> yeah, the, you know, our rivals. We're always competing, but... Um, and it was hosted by the guy from Rewatch Rules as well, Sean Fennessy. Sean Fennessy uh, had an interview with Celine and also, sorry, just to finish the previous point. Um, so in our script writing class, we watched this video and it was about how she writes scripts and she does this thing where she writes down all of the scenes that she wants in a film and then she writes down all the scenes that she needs and then the idea is you have to get anything that you want into the needs section or it goes, like, or vice versa. You have to want every scene and you have to need every scene. Very yeah. cool. I like it. And you bridge the gap. So it sort of sounds like it was reverse engineered in some components. Um, so the context is just that, you know, like, I knew there would be a lady on fire. I knew that there would be a lady on fire in the film, but I didn't okay. think... Not and like, like you, know, you know when not on uh, dry land. You know the very epic gamer moment in a film when they say the name of the title and you just get, it happens you get straight away in this one. You get goosebumps straight off. They... You could have ended the film at that point, and I've already yeah. gotten my satisfaction. Exactly. Not only that, but she literally gets set on fire in the film. It's just like rewarding the audience. Yeah. It's Keen eyed viewers. Are like, getting is it a metaphor? Around. Nope. No, it's not a metaphor. <laughs> I liked anyway. how so free from metaphor this film was. Yes, for the slower, um, slower viewers like like myself, I really appreciate that. It's nice being you know led through such a complex topic. What about you? Any context? How do you know about this? You mentioned it. I um, suggested it. This is my week. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I've just heard of it a lot. I mean, obviously, it's been super successful last year and popular. Um, and I just saw it was on Stan and where, where you and I feel on Stan at the moment. So Wait, are you talking about Australian, Australian streaming service Stan? Yes. Yeah. So let's, let's get So let's hit those actual... succinct notes. Let's do it. Okay. 
Uh, before we start, I just wanted to, uh, now that we're on pod, I can deliver the, the punchline. Yeah, this I was, anecdote has been hyped up as appropriate for it, the pod. It was paused in pre-pod discussion. So just so you know, there are categories um, that I group my... So straight after I watched the film, this is a bit of behind-the-scenes action. I know you've been wanting it. Here it is. So straight after I watch a film in preparation for the Ego Hour podcast, I will sit there... And I will whip out notes on my phone and stand there and, and meditate like, for a bit. Yeah. Um, and then I will basically just like write everything that comes to mind, trying to recall specific scenes because, you know, it wasn't until Boogie Nights podcast when I didn't do the necessary preparation <laughs> that I realized how quickly you forget about scenes. So I was like, man, I got to write everything about stuff while I still can. Um, so Not then, only scenes, be, character names, that's a big one. <laughs> so then before the pod, meaning 10 minutes before, I will then get my notes onto my computer and group them by categories. So here are the categories. Number one, production, and in this case, production slash cinematography. So these are comments about production and, you know, lighting and shots and stuff like that. Number two, plot. Of course, you need to talk about the plot at some stage. Number three, themes. Yeah, of course. Um, number four, questions. Uh, Are they rhetorical no, questions? Just questions that I want to ask you, you know, saying oh. I wanted a, a little help understanding. Always happy to help. Uh, this one is relevant to this one, but doesn't always pop up. Legacy, and that's about quotes about where it fits into other related sort of films that bring, come to mind. And then, of course, the most important category, memes, where I write down the jokes that I want to say on the podcast, which I thought of whilst watching the film or you know straight after so how about we kick off with a meme if you, if we will okay so the first meme that stood out to me was i i just can't wait to get out from lockdown right and you know the first thing i'm gonna do when i get out of lockdown and restrictions ease and we're allowed to see everybody what are you gonna do i'll be organizing a bonfire and we will be congregating at this bonfire and then someone's going someone's gonna to hit the freaking haunting note and we're going to start beatboxing and clapping syncopated percussive beats and ultimately we were just going to deliver a bonfire performance of a French song and I just can't wait for that moment. It's going to be glorious when it happens. Yeah, so just wanted to get that out there. How good was that scene? How sort of... I know, oh, that's where starting. Yeah, let's start there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was really, really good, especially because it had this this, this feeling where creepy. you weren't you weren't sure whether there was like orchestra or like yeah, score was it behind it at the same was time. Was it in yeah. the world? And I did notice that some of the claps were off. Did you notice that as well? There were a few claps that weren't visible that were happening or orally. And I as a bit... musician, that's my my role to look for the people who aren't clapping on time. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the time it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what did that mean? What did that mean in the film, that scene? Not that scene because it's the fire scene as well, of course. We've started. I don't know, but what's funny is that it reminds me of this episode of Broad City where they are calling each other witches and they go to like this bonfire (laughs) and they're all dancing around the park. I don't know. That's what it made me think of. Which is probably Was it just just about like a wholesome sort of thing? And who were those people as well? Not quite sure. I don't know. It's what what century is this set in? Seventeenth century or something? I can't fact check it. Eighteenth century. Yeah. So mm. probably probably a thing. Yeah. 
it was cool. Anyway, that's actually, that's another thing. Um, so I have the only research I've done and, you know, due to both rebellion and lays and all that stuff, I, I was talking through the film with mum this morning because, yeah, I wanted to bounce a few ideas out there. Um, you obviously and... didn't bounce that first joke off her. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she loved it. <laughs> she actually approved of all of my so jokes. I, I, I think you've got a lead in joke for the pod right there, Tom. So thanks, mum. It... She said, she made a comment that was like, yeah, I think it was uh, something, something, you know, it was true to the time or something like that. And I was like, particularly with this film, it really stands out that, you know, it's set in a period and the period like lets you do some things with the story. But the most that like to me, this film was very not clearly in like a negative or view way at all it's like this is a film made for now just set in an interesting time right and it's not just the time period that it happens but like a lot of context of this film is like largely irrelevant and i think that's super deliberate and i think that's really cool about this film is that it didn't add distracting stuff in to to just because it could have or it was like you know a trope from the genre or something like, you know, mm-hmm. I, before I had seen it, I heard it was like a period piece, but you know, it doesn't feel like a period piece at all. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing in it beyond, I think the logistics of maybe her getting married away or whatever that yeah. it's essential for the story, mm-hmm. which I, I think, yeah. So you're right. It is made for now, but it's also feels free from time, I guess, which is what's cool yeah. about it. Um, I suppose what also influences that is that it doesn't have like, there's not actually heaps of plot in this film. Um, which is sort of really cool about it. Oh, well, I suppose what's such an achievement about it is there's not much plot so that at the end of the film, when I was writing my notes, I was like trying to remember what happened, but it really is like an emotion, like a state sort of film. Like it gets you into this, this um, feels and um, flow sort of thing. And then you're just enjoying the characters and enjoying their presence. And they're just sort of like developing the mood as opposed to there's no big, external forces at play or anything like that so that's why they're it's not particularly period relevant either you know yeah um but like 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 i I think that's pretty deliberate and i think is good hmm. filmmaking you know what i mean well it definitely she she wrote the film as so she's the screenwriter as well right yeah so she like obviously um knew what she wanted to say with it what the story was actually about and then it's free from kind of distractive context, distracting context, which is obviously shows how strong, I guess, what she was actually writing about is. Yeah. And so I just reached the end of the film and I was like, like, well, cause we were going to, um, mum and dad were going to go to bed and then finish it later. But like, I know like the time just flew sort of like, which is really cool, you know, in a film that might not lend itself to that because it is, it's not like slow, like it's emotionally, Paced, but it's not like narratively it's sort of narratively slow it's just really good it doesn't feel like two hours at all which is awesome yeah so the film has this momentum that this type of film doesn't generally lend itself to which i think mm. is what's really cool about it um like for example in our in our protopod we were talking about hot fuzz and how that film we were we commented on how much um momentum that has and then you look at a film like this, which, I mean, that, that's all about editing that film. It's like it doesn't give you a beat to, like, mm. catch up or whatever. But this song, this, this, this um, film is, like, very deliberately paced, but it does have this momentum to it. And it feels like 
you know, given given what you said about her writing the script, that doesn't surprise me watching it because um, the way it every scene does feel essential, and it does feel like every scene is a direct directly related to the scene before it. So yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, it it has an interesting uh, sort of ellipsis to it because in some ways it's sort of it's not real time, obviously, but like. They say it's five days and then things seem to go for five days. You know what I mean? Like it's not, they don't really skip a bunch of days in that five day period and then go, that was five days. Like, it's yeah. not like, it's not the first day of the, cause she says, you know, five days left. It's not the first day is an event. And then you see two more scenes and they're like, I can't believe it's already the fifth day or something like that. Like yeah. it does seem like they give enough time to each day. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to That's probably it- from... Sorry, just quickly. I do. That's probably because they sort of like recount, like there's something eventful happening at dinner each night, you know? So it's like you do get a sense of each day. Anyway, just a thought. Yeah. I I mean, I I don't have tons to add, except I just, yeah, I also found the pacing like really believable. And I don't know, like, I don't know what I was expecting, but the first kind of 10 minutes or so, I, I have nothing negative to say about it, but I wasn't like certain the way that it was going to you know the what way it was going to turn out Mm. because i was like okay it's going to be slow um and that's fine that's not going to be a bad thing necessarily but yeah like it it didn't it didn't feel like that and um i don't know i was just like really surprised by that how kind of swept up you get you get in it i think it's because the mission was really good now that i'm starting to think about it a little bit like the plot mission was good that she had to paint a portrait without letting the other girl know and without looking at her like so it was sort of a challenge you know and then in terms of as a viewer so what is really cool about it is that uh this whole angle of uh, creating a portrait of someone does make you start looking at people differently in the film and they deliberately do that with the cinematography like when Heloise is introduced and you know you you see the back of her head like yeah, you that don't was see awesome. her face. Yeah, it's it's sort of like, to be honest, it, it's it's kind of on the nose because it's so obvious, and yet it still worked perfectly because then she turns and looks at the camera, and you're like, oh, like that's her face, you know? It's it's like a reveal, um, and so then her sketching along, like trying to develop this portrait in secret, was actually like sort of a really fun challenge, and there was good dramatic suspense in it. Like, is she going to find out? Is she going to be able to draw the portrait? And that just that keeps the wheels turning for the start until the romance can kick off, you know? I really love all the actual um, painting and drawing scenes and stuff as well. Mm. I, I, it must have... Yeah, go on. I'm cutting you off a lot. I'm just excited. But, um, like, I, they really they really had the ASMR vibes going on this Well, this, I was going to say that because <laughs> I was talking to... I watched it with my girlfriend. I, I said, do all canvases sound like that when you paint on them? And like she's like, no, it's a specific sort of canvas. And I'm like, okay, well, it's probably deliberate decision because i mean so the first thing is like those things i don't know like it's really fun to watch it all come together like that Mm. it was really cool and then my other thought was like is this like a music movie where someone walks up to a piano and plays a full song on first go and it's just like movie magic and it's annoying to actual painters or something like that to watch (laughs) that i mean i have a feeling no but i was also like am i just getting sucked into like artistic genius in that way yeah um 
Yeah, and just like the brushes were cranked to 11 and the candles, you could hear candles, which isn't a thing. <laughs> I love the cracking, like the fire is fire is like the soundtrack for the majority of this film. Yeah, yeah. And there's those big cracks coming through all the time. It's just like Yeah, I, awesome. I hadn't even thought about music in this film. Is Come on, music man. Was there music? I can't really remember. I feel like no, because I, most of it I feel like no, because like aside from that one obvious like... um song that's like a theme in it or whatever um I'm, I'm pretty sure there's not i mean we've only just watched it last night i can't remember and i was swept up in it but mm. i don't think there's much music at all beyond that and maybe the singing by the campfire um which I is obviously it, a deliberate it, choice yeah it's, it's a narrative thing um but yeah it, i suppose that sort of differentiates it from a24 notably <laughs> had to get a mention in this but you know how those sort of films can have I know, it's just cool watching a French film and it's like, it is good to see different takes on stuff, you know. It's good when there's a film that you're, I don't know, I suppose we probably don't watch a bunch of films that we should watch because we would enjoy them. But it's we'll good get when this is This is the breaks. pod, it's what we're doing. Yeah, I suppose so. And I think that is part of the immersion of, of this, the time period. So like we're talking about how it's like, a relevant thing but also not a relevant thing it's like it's relevant in terms of the story like it's just like hey the story happens to be set here um mm. and then that's that and you roll with that so maybe that's all part of that world building i guess yeah so the the painting coming together thing um it's really cool how the first portrait wasn't as good as the last portrait <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i mean that that's genius and that's you know we, we're obviously going to talk about it later, but the same, there's like kind of three cross-medium kind of overlaps in this. Like there's the portrait, there's the music, and then there's like the the book as well. And all of them play such a like essential part of the film. And, mm. you know, I just really respect how, how key everything that was mentioned or brought up in the film was to yeah, the... Yeah, it all like it we pays were, off. So we were talking about Relic last week and it's not super comparable but like we not last week three days ago um and we were talking about there's that scene where she's like dancing with her daughter just for comparison to this song and like the song doesn't mean anything there's no she's like oh i love this song blah 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 but it has no like actual really value in real value in the story mm-hmm. and here i just really like that nothing was put in there that didn't actually have value to the story or wasn't like part of his characters you know i suppose that makes you think that they could have used a song in that other in Relic, you know, like there's so much good royalty-free music because it's out of, you know, public domain because it's old. Surely there was some amazing composition you could have used that well, was I'm memorable not with as, my laws, in this but, film. But I wanted to... You should be. I was like, should I get... I should be. <laughs> um, I was like, should I see if I can get the song from this film? Like surely there's a version that I can put underneath this pod. So yeah. if you're listening, you may have already heard it or you may hear it coming up. But if you haven't, <laughs> then I'm sorry about it. <laughs> Intermission. And it was good she didn't know how to play it. Um, I just talking to, and the other thing in that scene, she pulls up, first of all, like everyone in those days had a keyboard, which is actually believable because it's like, what else were you spending your money on? <laughs> but then when she goes over, she pulls the sheet up and she doesn't show the keyboard at all. Mm. And I was like, is this just like a maneuver because she can't play the keyboard for real? But then the shot keeps going and they pull it over and then, you know. They yeah, I thought it. that was strange as well, but... Well, maybe she's was... so genius she can play through the, the, the sheet. I don't know. Mm. I, do, I do feel like it was an aesthetic thing. 
I suppose that highlights a cinematography point. A lot of long sort of shots, naturalistic shots, um, where you like follow someone and it keeps happening sort of thing. There wasn't heaps of cut in editing. Um, any thoughts on that? It's interesting how it had such a big budget because it's such a minimal- minimalistic film. Like, mm. where's that budget going? Well, that's not a big budget, actually. You know that, yeah. What is it? Four. You know that, 4. yeah. 4.86. Maybe I don't know that. <laughs> 4.86 million There's like, euro what, four dollars. Pe- there's like four people <laughs> in this film and like six extras and that's like the whole cast. I think this furthers the point. The less cast, the better the film. At least. Maybe. What have we watched? On this scale. Well, well, it's interesting. The last film we watched had like three people in it as well. Yeah. Well, it goes straight against um, Boogie Nights, though. <laughs> yeah. Which is all um, character and all class, maybe. Anyway, back to cinematography. Lighting. Very, very important to the story and thematically, right? Like, um, the lighting on the faces was extremely soft the whole time. Everyone was flatly lit. Not flatly, that sounds like a negative connotation, but like they had a glowing soft light on their face the whole film. I don't know if you noticed it, but the scene that was... Well, because I think it's what portraits look like, you know what I mean? You don't paint shadows into portraits, or at least they weren't in those images. Um, But the big giveaway is they were... When they sit at the table downstairs and there's a fire, right? There's no shadows on anyone's face, which is ridiculous in the real world like it doesn't matter i'm saying it looks really good but like if you've got fire crackling are you enjoying this be... yeah this is a big are you enjoying like... shattering the illusion yeah this... no I, this is a big like i'm proud how many, of myself, how many stars but... do i have to deduct from this film <laughs> no i liked it though the whole point is it works narratively or story-wise because it it's about portrait painting and soft light and observing people's features and stuff like that um but yeah so anyway the, the dinner table there's fires and if you think about it, everything is lit in the world from candles rather than lights, right? So there mm. should be like a million little shadows at different strengths across their faces. But obviously there isn't. So that's how you get those shots, like whether at the dinner table and you're going around the plane snap and everyone looks sort of like there's something very pronounced about them, sort of. And it's because there's this natural soft light on them. And every other film you ever watch will have, from what, you know, broad statement but there'll be shadows because like look at me here there's roof lights and it's fairly well I'm just, i'll lit. describe him tom looks like a gaunt skeleton man <laughs> due <laughs> to the beard. harsh shadows that face me in my life he but, looks unwell he and, looks disappointed in his personal life he yeah but describe the light on his life. <laughs> um, he's wearing the same jumper he's worn in the last three ooh. weeks anyway soft lighting important to the story Beautiful cinematography. It won a cinematography award. It won the Caesar Award for best cinematography. All because I of always, the soft light. I have this moment when I'm watching a film for this pod where I, I go, I always remember that I'm supposed to be looking for like film things. Mm. So then I go, I spend the next 10 minutes thinking about cinematography and then I just forget about it again. But yeah. one thing I always tune into, which one scene I really did like, is they were standing by the water and it was early on. And there's this shot of, um, not Heloise, what's her name? The, the, the other woman? Marianne. Yeah, she was in the foreground and then Heloise was behind her. And there's like, it's her face when she was sideways or lent, whatever you call that. Um, Portrait. It was, uh, profile. Profile was covering her face and then she turned and looked at her and you could see her face and then she turned back 
I don't oh, know yeah, that was sick. And then she turned yes. back and then she was yeah, looking at was, her. Yeah, she's leaning back and forward in the frame and then she's looking at her. That was so good because it was so, yeah. it was suspenseful as well because of the whole, she's not supposed to be looking at her. Then she's like frowning when she looks at her and stuff like that. So, so much of this, the acting, like uh, obviously the performances in this are like awesome, like so good, so good. Um, and it's all, it's just really cool because it's, about a portrait and then it's all about facial expressions and glances and that sort of yeah. stuff. And I thought Heloise, um, like there was one scene in particular where her face like changed through all these different emotions. And like, I'm not that attentive. Like it's not was like it the final much... scene because the final scene was obviously like, I think it was interacting toolkit and it was, no, awesome. no, but that was obviously amazing. But I think it was earlier when she told her that she was, it was the scene where I, th- I think it was the scene where she told her she was painting, um, or something like that. And like she went from happy to like really upset. And because of the way that the film shot, obviously that's like really front and center. So someone like me who's not super tuned to that sort of stuff, like could even see like see it. And I, I was pretty blown away by that kind of ha- how solid that visual acting was for, for all of them. Obviously it's there because it's emphasized by the direction, but mm. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then like it's cool how like you start looking at their faces differently because they're talking about it, right? And then, so they showed the first portrait and I'm like, what about that crinkle she has like in her brow? <laughs> and it wasn't there and I was like, I don't know. I It'd be interesting normally, to watch obviously. again and you know how there's that scene where they talk about like their quirks that they do? Like mm. I, certainly it, that, yeah. that stuff is there, like it's got to be, you know what It'd I mean? It have to be, Because yeah. I was like, I was watching that and I was like, that's all well and good, but <laughs> was that there before? <laughs> I didn't notice it. Yeah, so... Um, we can talk like story, but I want to talk a bit like shallow. I don't know. Anyway, I just want to say it. So like in this film, well, I guess, sorry. My point is, uh, do you think it's part of the story that like when you fall in love with someone, you look at all these details in their faces and you like sort of fall in, like you fall in love with someone because you're looking at them so much as well, sort of. Um, the reason I'm, what I'm actually about to ask is that, like the actors obviously seem like beautiful people and stuff. Are they beautiful people or is it because we're studying people and we're just like appreciating them because that seems to be a theme of the story, like appreciating everything about someone's look? I think it's both. And I, I think everyone who probably watches goes through the same thing of like being super attentive to, the, to everyone who's on screen, like mainly the two mm-hmm. leads. And how they look and I don't know. Yeah, it's really smart, I think, because mm-hmm. it makes you look, you're looking at people, yeah, with a sort of, it, it, it like tells you to watch this film in a certain way almost and then you spend, so that's like what I'm saying about the, the face, um, like the, the, the facial acting. Um, how, I guess the, the film tells you that that's how you're supposed to watch it and then you do it and then you draw attention to it. And, I, I, you know, that I think ties into the, what, what's, ties into the, how I was talking about the, you know, references to other mediums and stuff like that is so good. Um, this film isn't hiding behind anything at, at, at all. Mm. It's very bare bones and every, everything that's in it is quality. So I, I'm, I'm getting a bit off track from what you said, but yeah. No, it's okay. Um, Thank you. And then I think, yeah, thematically, trying to an- analyze this film thematically is sort of funny because I was looking for some sort of meaning that wasn't obvious, like, you know, 
trying to have that moment where you're like, oh, that's what it's about. But no, I think it is sort of what it's about at the surface, which is really cool that they did it and the films still got Agreed. more meaning. Because when they're, that, that scene where they're reading um, Orpheus and Eurydice and you're like, That's okay, like the I'm key gonna... to the film. That's like where they're like, here, we'll explain the film. To yeah, you. but it, I don't know. It's like not, it's, not it's lame, like dumbed yeah. down, but it's not annoying that they dumbed it down for you. It's so good. Mm. And, um, and, and, you know, like she has those visions of her and that sort of stuff. And it's just like, it spells it all out for you. So like, you can't fucking not get it, which is, I think just really, really, really good. Yeah. You know, that's, pretty impressive you're not relying on any any gaps being filled in by the the audience i think that scene what what stands out to me about it was that like when she is when they are reading about orpheus is that um first of all i think the coverage is cool because it's really like close up to their faces so you're really in the moment with them and how they're reacting and stuff so she's reading and you're seeing her face up close sort of thing like you're not seeing the group shot or anything like that um and then uh, just the the way that the dialogue was presented was really natural in a in a lovable way. Like she's like, no, you can't do that or something like that, and she's like, read it again. And so then she reads it again, and it's like, I know it's sort of like adorable that they that they're so engrossed in this story, and then they have this like intellectual but not pretentious discussion about what the themes mean, and it's just really good. Yeah. So then that whole thing, obviously the payoff at the end is brilliant where she's like at the front door and then she like pulls it open and she calls her back just like Orpheus. Are we and ready to talk about just the rewards of this film or is it too early to do that? Well, let's just, chat, let's just talk about this one. Um, let's okay. talk about the visions. Um, the first time you saw the vision, were you spooked out? Because I was scared. <laughs> it was really spooky. You were, okay, so... When, when she I just finished... appears, I was like, man, this is actually, like, I'm not even kidding. It reminds me of this shot in a, like, an 80s or 90s horror film we watched at school for, for Thriller, the class. <laughs> we watched... Oh, like year eight. Yeah, not even watched... film school, like high school. <laughs> we watched The Woman in Black and there's a shot where... Nicole Kidman, The Others or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we watched that too, actually. So, you know, rolling in good films. Um, and then... There's, so it's it's a scary movie that's kind of like very 80s and not that scary. And then there's this shot where they're like filming someone in a bed and then they cut to the opposite, like the opposite shot. And it's this haunting spirit just floating in. And there's no tips or tricks or sound effects, but it's just so shocking because you're not expecting it. And it's like, I know, bright and different colored. And that's what happened when she faded in the first time. Like I wasn't literally jumped, but I'm like, oh, that's a bit freaky. Like, and the way that she's lit up, like I think it's still like I can is talk about same, why. I, is it is it the same? Do you think it's the same shot? Like just like imposed like, over it. It probably is. Yeah, so I want to talk about it, it briefly because like, I mentioned I I saw it and I said to Emmy I was like, so what do you think? She's like, yeah, I loved it. The only thing I didn't like was the way she looked. But like, I mean, I like it. What do you think about? Yeah, I think what it's trying to say is that, like, to me, it's about how you're trying to hold on to a memory of how someone looks. And it's like you cut out this image of what they look like to yourself and then she saw her in that dress and then she's just sort of like trying to hold on to this distinct image of what she looks like. And I don't know, it's like this vision, like it's like when you think of someone and you have a go-to face and a go-to pose and a go-to position of where they are. And because this is like the way it was literally like superimposed or whatever yeah, felt, I mean, like it wasn't as like smooth as it could have been. In my, like, yeah, I think it's probably. like the aura of a memory. You know, it's like she okay. thinks she's I, this glowing person, and then she's like that. 
Yeah, I mean, I I liked the way it was done. It, it like it felt more organic and more like akin to that sort of time period. I don't know. That was mm. my my argument for it. It made me think of the way that things are lit up at the Haunted Mansion ride in Disneyland, though. Like, you know how, like, the lights come from inside and it's sort of spooky and she's kind of, like, all white. Anyway, it was beauty meets creepy, which I think maybe matches... Yeah, maybe matches the Orpheus thing. That Orpheus stuff, like, that's gold. Like, what's with these... I don't don't really know. Was it... Is it Greek? Yeah, Hades is Greek mythology, right? Like, isn't it really cool... Like, I heard that story and they're talking about it and I was like, man, and then we get to now and you get dumbed down movies where the hero has to win all the time and yet they were writing this, like, gold emotional heavy stuff in, you know, the whatever century. Isn't it funny that mainstream stories have changed, even? Yeah. That quote there, so just to replay for the viewers how the discussion goes. So Heloise goes... They were nearing the surface, approaching the threshold, when, fearing losing Eurydice and impatient to see her, her loving spouse turned. Then Sophie goes, No, he can't look at her for fear of losing her. That's no reason. He was told not to do that. Heloise, he's madly in love. He can't resist. Marianne, I think Sophie has a point. He could resist. His reasons aren't serious. Perhaps he makes a choice. Sophie, what choice? Marianne, he chooses the memory of her. That's why he turns. He doesn't make the lover's choice, but the poet's. How good is that? Like... Brilliant. Brilliant. On that note, I'm, we're going to have a quick break because I need to go to the bathroom. Cool. So what we should do is, is sing now. We go, ah, and then I'll fade in with us going, ah, on the other end and it'll sound seamless. You ready? Ready, set, go. Ah. Yeah, so you're right. Another shot thing, just to, to briefly mention that I enjoyed. Well, I'll, I'll mention a few shots that I liked because it was a really beautiful film um i liked at the start where the painting or the canvas falls off the boat and she has to swim to it and then i liked the ellipsis of watching her swim to it but then cutting straight back to her hugging it you know what i mean yeah that was good like it made me think wow it works a lot better edited this way than the other way (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and it makes you think like people could just edit a lot of shit out yeah um, I mean, you know how we were we were praising Paul Thomas Anderson on those long shots, but now that I think about it, <laughs> he doesn't know what he's you doing. Could've, you could have cut out. The, we could have cut half the film by just fucking, you know, well, shortening those shots. We wouldn't have to cut. We wouldn't have to cut scenes that we wanted to keep. We just if made he the just shortened shorter. the shots. <laughs> there was. I remember we watched an editing uh, documentary in class, and it was James Cameron, and he's like, you know, so I was trying to find out. Uh, if, how you could make a film shorter And I was like What if you just deleted Every second frame And then The editors are like No you can't do that And he's like And we did it And it was terrible <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't know The lesson is that James Cameron made Rambo 2 And ever since I hate him James Cameron made Rambo 2? Yeah I think so <laughs> I quick letterbox check Yeah he did He did While thought- you While you fact check me Um Oh, he wrote it. Sorry, he wrote it. That's, it's a key difference. Isn't um, that in line with the quality of James Cameron's other writing? Look, we have a lot to jump, dive into with James Cameron and whether he's good or whether his only good film was Terminator 2. The big questions. Terminator 2 is good. I'm saying it. So other shots that I liked, back to the plot of the, the pod. Um, I liked Rambo the shot... First Blood. There you go. Sorry, carry on. I liked the shot where they're walking... I can't remember if they're walking to the bonfire. I think they are. And they're all in silhouette, the three girls. 
Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very visual scene. And then, of course, the uh, the Wes Anderson shot when there's the reeds and they're popping up and down, and it was really cool. Like it was, it was yeah. like playful and like beautiful. Like, unfortunately, streaming services can't handle it, so you get all this like compression in the bushes and stuff. But I imagine it looks really beautiful on proper projection. <laughs> this film was beautiful, I imagine. <laughs> I'm sure. The cinematography um, was pretty good, I think. I want to talk the weed scene, or whatever it was. Yeah. Is it fair to say the use of hallucinogens was unnecessary? Like, was it... Because they didn't even pretend to incorporate it into the plot. It was there for, like, two seconds. The only thing I can symbolically see it functioning for is that it's, like, about trusting each other and about being a bit edgy when you're with someone you love. Give me the reason. Why should it be there? And I don't hate it, hate it. I'm just saying, like, why should it be there? I have zero qualms with it. I just think it was, yeah, like, sort of that lover's fun thing where you're trying new things together. Okay. It just made me think of how, you know, in every American film, and I'm not saying they're actually doing this, but you know how every American film puts weed in it? You know, it really reminded me of a Seth Rogen film. That's really (laughs) turned me up. Okay. Well, the reason I can appreciate this is because it made a fantastic editing point, which is where they they were rubbing the the weed under their underarms. And that was like genius. Do we know it's weed? Like... What else would a hallucinogen be? Probably exposing yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so then it transitions into her rubbing it into her underarms, which is like the greatest double entendre shot ever. And I feel like it's a middle finger to the, the, the film rating people because, you know, it has heavy sexual imagery connotations and i just thought it was really like i thought it was playful and i didn't even think about effective. that that's embarrassing that's funny but now you say that it makes sense for me or you for you i'm, I'm not embarrassed about anything okay i just no, like to say i mentioned it I'm to mum as well and she agreed that it no, was I both didn't, i didn't pick up on it yeah it was both creative and well done um but sorry back to the weed well it's funny because i said we had this discussion this morning about the film classification of this that was the edgiest shot, and even then, like the whole point is that it's not. This movie edgy. could have been, could have been an M, close it's really, to a PG. Let's be honest. It's so like, non-offensive. Yeah. Like what is it? For the uh, record, I'm talking about this website that I stumbled across. Where it's at I the think, American rate. What's it called? Parents something. Uh, it's where parents. I think it's like a family website where they talk about what's inappropriate in a film, and it said. And it was rated R, and it said this portrait of Lady on Fire is well deserved of its R, R classification. Oh, really? Yeah, Man, that, that just shows that's that why the I, that's why I sent it to you. Funny, like the edgiest things were like. Have you ever watched when, like those eighties films that you think are going to be like family wholesome. wholesome, and then there's like boobs in it, and they're just like being super crass, and it's like rated PG, and you're like, all right, so you had a qualm of that scene? No, it's not even a proper qualm. Like I'm not really in the corner. Then why bring I'm it just up? Like, where am I? I am. I'm over by the snack table in the room. I'm not in the qualm corner. I'm in the qualm like a few steps to the side, just so there's a PowerPoint there. Like it's not the corner. It's the, You're at a party and you're charging your phone. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the in the qualm, the qualm snack table. That's what I'm going with. Anyway, um, so it also brings up the category. New to the epi- uh, fresh to the episode is Legacy. So this film made me think about Little Women. Did it make you think about Little Women? No, not at all. It's funny you say that. Okay. So the obvious things aside are that it's P 
period, and they're wearing old dresses, but, you know, one is in France, <laughs> one's in America. <laughs> hey, um, I well don't spotted. have to... <laughs> this is high concept, Tom. Nothing gets past you. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I do feel like Heloise looks a little bit like Saoirse Ronan. So, <laughs> this is Why the part of the film where I say actors who look, look like, like other people. Um, uh, I think, and I don't know, I suppose the, like, call me by your name, fair comparison or not? I think it's a fair comparison, but I hate that it's a comparison you, you know, so yeah. easily drawn to as well. But yeah, anyway, I, we'll but it's not it. just, like, I don't think it's just because of the, the obvious thing, which is the, the period clothing, you know, 80s, 1780s, very obvious connections between the two films. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think it's, it is just because of the unrequited, like, getaway, fall in love slowly sort of story, rather than... Yeah, you know no, I, mean? I the, agree. The, themes, yeah. the, the plot is actually similar, yeah, but the I execution agree. is very different. And, and the pacing is kind of similar as well. It's not forceful or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, and it's just kind of two characters falling for each other. So, yeah, I, yeah, I agree so, with that. But then I would like to say that I actually think this film did it more uh, gently and romantically for the better. Like, you didn't get the, the clash in... Like, it's not the clashing because that's a drama thing, but it's like you didn't get that. What I, what I was happy this film didn't have was the part where they're like, we should have spent so much more time together. Why weren't they? They did just... have that. They did have that. Yeah, but it was like cute. They didn't have the one. banter it, about it, but they, it, they did it, have it that scene. It wasn't so awkward. Uh, no, just a small qualm. Well, I didn't want to analyze it. I, I think they stand apart. Um, but yeah, I guess I did make a connection just because of the kind of like limited time frame romance um sort of kind of unexpected unexpected thing um and also like i guess the end's kind of similar um Mm. in terms of like it's just a memory sort of thing yeah what i really loved in i really loved at the end of this film how she sees heloise and then she doesn't go up to her like i thought that was really good you know you could have done the the epilogue where they just don't see each other ever again but i think it's so much more powerful the way they did do it because it's like they were happy for the time they spent together rather than it, it got ruined by circumstances you know what i mean it I felt wanna... less a victim of the world yeah okay so let's talk about the end because it's obviously the very important as all endings are very important <laughs> so you're watching it and then she's like sees her on that portrait and then it zooms in on the 28 and you're like fuck Ooh. yeah that's so Ooh. gratifying is that the greatest, like, Easter egg photobomb idea? Like, everyone loved that. Everyone cheered in my screening. Everyone was just... It was good. Yeah, fist bumps. And then you go... And then she goes... This is me watching it. I watch that. I go, that's so good. I'm feeling it in my heart. Getting wet-eyed. And then... And then she goes, I saw her again. And I'm like, fuck. They're going to ruin it by making them have an interaction where she meets her son or something like that. And, and like... Yeah. And they're over each and, other or something like that. She's yeah, like, and you're like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna overdo it or whatever, and like because we're talking about call me by your name, I think in the book they do have a meeting or something like that, and it's kind you of call me by your name. Yeah, because like okay. in, the, in the actual book, there's a meeting at the end later on. It's something mm-hmm. along those sort of lines, which I can leave you know give or take. Like it's not that important, but then it's a reference to the song. And it's this kind of closure you didn't know you actually wanted or needed. And then it's like mm. the best closure on top of it. And you're just yeah. like, how did they pull that off? How is that better than the scene the before? The last one, yeah. Because well, the last one's a bit Hollywood. It's like, um, 
you know, epic and maybe not believable. But then, like, the, the watching someone else and seeing the emotions is so authentic and, I don't know, subtle. Yeah. And just the amazing. way they, like, it sort of eases you into the end of the film anyway because you watch her for so long and the song's going and you're just like, okay, I'm ready for it to end in, like, the best way. I have a film school question. How do they, like, when they're, sh- they're filming her at the end, they're kind of centering her in the frame and stabilizing it but kind of moving around her? What's going on there? It did look it like artificial artificial stabilization to me it did have a strange quality to it that wasn't uh particular like it didn't look natural panty did it no but i mean i don't i'm not critiquing or anything i was just wondering because it only... kind of make it felt okay actually like, i've come up with an answer if i remember the shot correctly they zoom in on her mm-hmm. right i think it might have been micro bumps in the camera because once you zoom in so far you'll see everything so then I imagine that the shot looked but a little I, bumpy right I thought right it kind of looked end, like so she was moving back and forth and they were like... Yeah, I think she was. ...moving with I th- her. I think she was and maybe you can shape the... the I'm pretty uh, sure they were keeping the her central. I don't know. But yeah. Anyway. Looked awesome anyway. Hmm. It was really cool. And like I was like, surely aristocrats in those days... You know, she could go up to her and say hello, but then I think it's better. And maybe the idea is that... She chose the poet's poet's answer. There we go. That's that's a wrap. There's a story. Um, I liked the the red and the green complementary colors in their outfits. Yeah. Very very aesthetic. It's funny because the first time you see that green dress, you're like, I'm I'm not really crazy about the way that looks, but then you just (laughs) really get attached to it as the film goes on. Yeah. Um, what about when they're painting that adding the final touches to the painting and she's like, when does it end? It's like when we say it ends or you know what I mean? Like you have to end it. And she does that one stroke in the green and I don't know about you, but it stood out to me so clearly. And I was like, God, that's so uncomfortable. I couldn't be a painter. (laughs) Yeah. And and like it was distinctly the green because in the neck, like she did it and you're like, Oh, I can see it. And then she blended it for two seconds and you couldn't see it. But in the green, like that one line is like, Oh, what are you thinking? <laughs> so funny. I mean, everyone relates to that. Um, mm. Well, people who create relate to that. It's good. Yeah. Um, you can't control Z in those days. The other thing which we uh, to briefly mention is like, um, and it kind of goes with what I was saying before about how the period plays like a very passive role. Um, it just like it's it's cool to watch a film that there's like there's no like important male characters in the film like beyond like I guess the um, looming shadow or whatever of her future husband or whatever, um, but like like the period how it it's it was present or whatever and it was a decision that you never really thought about and it, it just kind of complemented the story that also like I felt that that way about this film as well like it was obviously super deliberate and but in a way that just like felt felt very natural to the story as well Mm. a lot of this pod is me going i really liked this and it's like i don't have a profound thing to say because i was about to say i really liked how they play go fish or whatever it's really cute (laughs) like it's just lovely (laughs) that's what is cool is that to watch something and don't feel like you have to you know come up with anything smart in your analysis like i think we're both in agreement that it was just like really fucking good and and when we're just and talking when, about how we enjoyed it 
Okay. And when they smiled at the camera, like I was smiling, I felt so goofy and I was like, you know what I mean? Like you could just feel the love. And then, yeah, another shot that I loved, which is, you know, a story shot, which is when she sits down in the chair, like after she's been trying to paint her all this time. And then she finally sits down and looks at her in the portrait yeah. pose. And it's Amazing. like a meta reference somehow, but it's just like so powerful. Yeah. I think that's the timer. All right. So what did you like about this film? What did I like? I liked the cinematography, firstly. The soft lighting was crisp and beautiful and a fresh way of light in a film, in my opinion. <laughs> Probably not, but for me it was. Um, I liked the the underpronounced uh, relationship in this film. The love was very... Uh, like there wasn't any annoying complications thrown into it there weren't the plot devices didn't get in the way of the love in this film and it helped to create a really authentic mood of like gentleness and affection and all that sort of thing um, so I, I suppose I I love the lack of uh, corny down bits in a relationship you know how every film normally has those bits where they clash and sure they have a slight clash but they get over it so quickly it doesn't become a burden on the plot. Um, I think the stuff about talking about the stuff about talking about paint a portrait and then the way it makes you see the film differently is incredible. Um, I don't know how to talk about that technically, but narratively, that's just really brilliant. You know, the whole fact that you look at everyone, you start studying it, the the details and the faces. Um, yeah, I think the. The teaser plot works really well. Like the whole uh, wanting to paint a portrait without making it obvious is done so well with the cinematography. They complement each other so well. Um, so I suppose it's it's showing, not telling about emotions. And that's really great. Right, what would you change? What would I change? Um, you don't have to say something if you don't feel something. Yeah, I really don't have any qualms, but I don't know. Yeah. Don't All right. Well, what's what's the verdict? Uh, man, talking about this, I came into this thinking I had one Raiden, but talking about it so much makes me question if it's actually a different Raiden. And like, to be honest, I was looking through my letterbox and. Like not today, another day, and I was I was getting plug worried. Yourself, quick, that, quick plug, go. Oh, Lil Silky, L I L S I L K Y, um, and then just search uh, "Shoulders Good Brother" on YouTube. <laughs> um, I'm worried that I'm not distributing films properly across the full ten range spectrum. Where where are you landing? I hate, but this is what I think. What ruins film rating is when you start worrying about how many of the things you're getting up because then you're overthinking what you're doing and I think when it's too relative it just takes the fun away I think that you should be rating on what you feel what your gut instinct is on the film and and then you make a podcast about it and the real review is the podcast you (laughs) spent an hour an hour making because you know what I mean versus the star rating okay by that logic I'm given Portrait of a Lady on Fire four and a half Like talking through it, there's just what were you gonna be a four? Did you I was gonna it give it a four, yeah. But then 
talking about it and the fact that I just can't really think of anything to criticize about it. Like, I think it's maybe the best of this type of story being like a slow bubbling love that I've seen. And it was just so beautiful and emotive and lovely. And yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I really, really loved it. All of it. It was so rewarding um, and just like smart. And you just watch it and you're like, this is so fucking good. And every time you're rewarded, like, I don't know, it's, it's, I think that there's this implication that when you watch kind of good films that they need to be challenging or something like that. Mm. But mm. this film was so, it was the opposite of challenging. It was like yeah. rewarded you <laughs> for doing nothing. And yeah. it just, it felt, it felt so good, man. It, it was, was so just, non-pretentious. It was impressive. I don't know how they did that. Yeah. I, I don't know. It really blew me away. I'm like a very strong four and a half, if not a wow. five, because I, I mean, I thought it was per, like, a perfect film. I it's it's I haven't it's between either of those. I I mean, I'm hesitant to give it five. Just Is this the show's a, first five? five. Well, I, I'm not sure. Okay, I'll give it a five. It was fucking perfect. Well, I, wow, we need a perfect. song now. Give us a song. <laughs> I'll make sure it's the shittiest song. I mean, it was amazing. Like I can't critique it, and I like I yeah, I, I just loved it. It was so wow. good. I mean, look, let's be honest. What's the difference between your four and a half and my five? Like, you could watch this again. I, I, what I'm saying True. is, like, it's a four and if a half. If I give I something think, four and a half, it's it means you want to give it a five in yours. Afraid. No, it's worth <laughs> a five in yours because my opinion. It's worth a six like, in mine, let's be honest. Look, that's, you know, like when people ask me about a film, just generally speaking, I'm like, you know, it's a, it's a Nick three. <laughs> it's, you know, like, what's it's a British good? seven. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I'm just, I was, I want to give it a four and a half, but I'm certain that if I watch it again, I give it a five. Like I really, I want to watch it again. And I think that if I watch it again, I wouldn't critique it, you know? Yeah. Beautiful film. Yeah. Gave me tears. Actually. Did you cry a little bit? I didn't. I felt emotional. I, I, I mean, I, I found that I cry pretty much everything. Well, not cry, cry, but. Nowadays, I watch a... F- I get chills at stuff. Chills. Like, I actually do. I never thought that was a real thing, but I actually do. Um, yeah, look, that's the, that's the, <laughs> the buzzer. We're, we're getting a longer and longer clock every time, apparently. We're trying... We, we originally thought that these were going to be 20 minutes long, and... Then we just we, love the sound of our own voices. We, <laughs> so we, here we are. Who would have known? <laughs> who would have known? We never could have predicted how essential this podcast would come to so many people. So Yeah. Yeah, look, we know it's like a bright spot in your week. So we're just trying to chip in whenever we can in this dark time. Uh, yeah, so this is Ego Hour signing off. Follow me on at I'm Good Brother on Instagram. Look up Shoulders music video on YouTube. At Lil Silky on Letterboxd. It's not the guy. It's not the Indian guy. (laughs) Okay. All right. Couldn't be clearer. Um, This has been another classic. Ciao. See you later. And as we always say on the show, suck eggs. Another classic or a fresh one. If we knew what we wanted, you'd be useless. Tell us what's in. Tell us who's done.